It's good to be with you. We, uh, as you know, this last week we finished up uh, working through our Average Joe's series. And uh, this week we're starting a new one entitled Shape, uh, Discovering Your Unique Design. And really, uh, we have a room full of very unique people. And everyone, if you're describe yourself, you're like, you know what? God's, God's wired me up unlike anybody else I know, and so we're going to be looking over the next couple of weeks, and SHAPE is, a, is an acronym. I uh, was a part of a workshop probably about 10 years ago that Rick Warren's church uh, puts on with that same title, SHAPE, and uh, so just know that I didn't come up with that. Uh, but really, the letters stand for what we're going to be talking about in the next three weeks. The first one, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences, and how all of those come together to, dis- to define our unique shape, the way that God's wired us up and uniquely created us uh, for ministry and for serving Him. And so we're going to be unpacking that. It's going to be a fun adventure. And uh, this morning we're going to be starting by looking at spiritual gifts. But before we do that, just want to commit our time to the Lord and uh, in prayer. Dear Lord, we just come to you right now and just grateful for this chance to be in your house and even already celebrating you through worship and through song through giving, through celebrating you and seeing uh, stories of our missionaries uh, just working and uh, faithfully serving you, God. We pray now just as we open your word and we start addressing this topic that's just peppered all throughout the New Testament of spiritual gifts, God, that you'd be present and moving here, that you would uh, just open our eyes to your design and your plan for us uh, for ministry, God. We praise you and thank you for this chance to be together. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, a couple of thoughts as I was thinking about this, uh, this topic. I remember uh, uh, some years back, if just kind of when the first wave of reality shows was coming out. I don't know if you remember a show by the name called Hogan Knows Best. Did anybody uh, find themselves intrigued by this show? And uh, even confessing to being intrigued by this man in, uh, in tight yellow pants. And uh, what is that thing that he wears around his neck? I'm still not quite sure. And, uh, whoa, you guys know these things. And, uh, and so uh, I was watching this show, and if you remember seeing a few episodes of that, it's really kind of capturing following his life and his interactions with his, his, his daughter that was pursuing a singing career. But I remember some, one of the subplots was him trying to deal with the, the retirement or life after being in the ring. And so he was having a hard time just kind of coming to grips that that season had come to an end. And, and uh, maybe some of us that are, are retired can maybe relate with that. But I thought it was funny, as I was thinking about him and Hulk Hogan, if there's ever somebody, and what is his first real name? I don't really know. Is it the Terry? Is that it? And so Terry, Hulk, I think Hulk sounds a lot better, uh, but we'll go with that. Hulk Hogan, I believe, was designed for that job. He was designed to be an entertainer. That guy is like personality bigger than life, size, steroids included, bigger than life. Like that guy is pretty impressive character. And I was thinking about like, what if early on in his, in his days of deciding what to do with his life, what if he had said, you know what, had this pizza delivered, see this pizza man, and I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll just, you know, it serves the community, it helps people out, maybe I'll be a pizza delivery man, and uh, do you like my Photoshop work there? And uh, pretty talented, I know. Uh, and, so, and so I was pic- picturing that, how much we would have missed in entertainment having seen him go the route of Domino's delivery 
rather than being in the ring wrestling other extremely large men in tight pants. But because he chose to look at, and you're like, where is he going with this? Oh, yeah, get there, get there, please, quick. Uh, but, but the point being is this. God has made each one of us very unique. The way he's wired us up, he's made us a, a shape that's none other like us on this planet. And if we miss out on realizing that what God's designed us to do is determined by what we're made, how, who he's made us to be, you're, you're missing out. You see, it's got to start there. I love this quote, I will understand the purpose I was created for when I understand the kind of person I am. That's really the secret to understanding God's will for your life is identifying, you know what, how has God wired me up? How's he made me? How's he, how's he uniquely shaped me? Maybe it's not to wear a boa on my neck, but, but God's made each one of you very unique and very different with the intention of one thing, a universal calling that I believe he has placed on every single person that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you've made that choice in your life, and I always want to give that opportunity on Sunday mornings, just, man, if you've never come to that conclusion, this is the place to do that and to wrestle through that. What am I going to do with Jesus Christ's offer for forgiveness through his death as payment for our sins? But if you have embraced Jesus' death as for, or for forgiveness of your sins, you see, he's called us to a life, and I want to look at a couple different passages and if you're filling out notes, this is the fun part. You get to write in empty blanks. A couple things that are universal about his calling in our life is this. The first one, I've been created for ministry. Created for ministry. Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us. When he was making you, when he was designing you, he's saying, you know what? I have a plan for this person. I have, I have it laid out already, even before they're born, things for them to do, things to ultimately point to his glory, because that's who gets glory when we're working and operating within our giftedness. So I've been created for ministry. 2 Timothy 1.9, we're going to see that I've been saved for ministry by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He didn't just call you to an average, an ordinary life, but he's called you to something greater. He's called you to a life of ministry. So I've been created, I've been saved, and also I've been called. Look at Galatians 1.15. says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, as we saw in the last verse, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. The moment you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior, he redirected the plan for your life. You might have had one idea what your life was going to be about, but he had a very different idea of what you're supposed to be doing in your world. I remember um, in university, uh, I was at a pretty conservative uh, Christian University that had a curfew, and I remember one time getting caught for, and this is a, a bit of confession, you know, coming clean, and I remember getting in trouble for uh, breaking that curfew, imagine that, 
and uh, I won't go into the high-speed chase with the security uh, people or anything like that, but, but, uh, but there was a, a suspension that was involved in this uh, breaking of uh, curfew, and I remember sitting and talking to the dean, and he was, I was asking, I was like, well, is this ever going to be seen, like, on my record? Like, what's going on here? You know, as young people, you're afraid of these things for your future, and he said, you know, the only person that might actually see this is if you went into full-time ministry. I was like, whew, well, that's good, because I'm not headed there. And, uh, and, and, so, and so it's kind of ironic to think back and see where God had a completely different plan for my life than I did at that stage of, uh, of life. And he redirected things completely, because I love this statement, I am not who I think I am. It's in your notes there. I'm not who you think I am, but I really am who God says I am. And the truth is, God says your primary identification is not as a man or a woman, a husband or a wife, parent, coach, or employee at Best Buy. God says if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, your primary identity is a minister of Jesus Christ. That's your primary identity. You're his hands and feet, if you will, here on earth. That's what you're entrusted with. And for those of you that are like, man, what's my purpose? What am I doing? There's the answer. There's the answer. Your primary identity, your primary calling is a minister of Jesus Christ. And let me, let me be real clear what minister is. Like minister, sometimes somebody thinks is like, well, I don't feel like I'm called to, to work in a church and, and, and be a, uh, you know what I mean, a full-time vocational ministry. And that, that might be true. But just to clarify, and maybe you've heard this before, but wherever God has placed you, that's where your ministry is. That's your ministry. That's what you're called to. Wherever you're serving, wherever you're working, whatever, whatever place you found yourself, that is where you're called to minister. I had the, the privilege of spending some time with Jim Lildergren just a couple weeks ago. Went to visit him. If you know Jim, I, you'd know that he's been battling some major health issues this past year. He's been a faithful uh, missionary and involved with sending teams over to Russia and discipling pastors over in Russia. Had a, a great time talking with him. It was really encouraging. Rod Stewart and I visited with him. And uh, one of the things that stuck in my head is he says, you know, I've concluded this last year. It's like, doesn't matter where I am. That's just wherever I'm placed, that's where I minister. So this past year, he went into story after story of ministering in the hospitals. Then he spent a lot of times housebound. He was sharing story after story. He's like, hey, this neighbor right down the block here, I've been engaging with, talking with this woman, we, my wife and I, we've been praying with. This, 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 this neighbor right across the street, I had the chance to actually introduce to a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's like, and the stories went on about the 7-Eleven employee and this person, this person, because the truth is, where you're at, where you're currently placed, that's where you're called to minister. That's where you're called to minister. And so it's such an encouraging thing. If there's anything that I can leave with, you could probably check out from this point out. You can start catching up on your Sunday morning nap because that's the most important thing to understand is that your life, your calling, your placement is your ministry. That's it. That's huge. And so that's got to be the undergirder, that's got to be the foundation before we start exploring what your unique shape is. You have to understand what you're shaped for. Does that make sense? So understanding that you're uniquely shaped for ministry. Then you can start to explore, okay, if that's, if that's the case, then how am I uniquely shaped? What, what should I 
be doing? I'm going to mention a, another TV show. Uh, we're kind of on that kick here this morning. This is one of my favorites growing up, and uh, no, it's not Knight Rider or Blue Thunder, which were also favorites. Uh, but I'll see if you can recognize this, the, the title of this show based on the intro. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the... There you go. Well, I think there's just one group here that has ever seen this show. The A-Team, and you can see them there if you remember the, the characters. Uh, some of you younger folks are like, what's the A-Team? And, and how did I avoid that? You were wise. A couple of the characters, Hannibal Smith, the guy with the white hair in the center and the cigar in his hand, one of his great talents was the ability to put together a plan. What did he say constantly? I love it when a plan... Man, I still think it's the same group here. <laughs> Second guy, Templeton Faceman Peck, the guy there on the left, the smooth operator with the light blue jacket That's, uh, that he's, he's spotting there. He was the master of persuasion, otherwise known as nice with, job with the ladies. Very compelling character. Uh, Howling Mad Murdoch, the pilot, he was willing to take crazy risks. And then some of our favorites, you might know him as Mr. T, but in the show, he was named B.A., standing for Bad Attitude Baracus. <laughs> he was the enforcer of the show. And so these characters, you guys are staring blankly, uh, but, but these characters, and you're like, how in the world does this relate to your sermon? Please get there quickly. But here's my point. When those guys, then they made a whole show many seasons after this. When these guys all worked together using their unique gifts and talents and the way they were wired up, I mean, there wasn't a crime they couldn't solve. There wasn't a plan that they couldn't bring together because they worked in unity together. It was an awesome picture. And you're like, how does that relate to the church? And I think it's pretty obvious, a similar idea. The way God created the church, he wanted each one of us bringing to the table our unique design, our unique wiring, our unique personalities, our oddities, our, our experiences, our, our passions, the things that fire us up, the things that stir us to come together and actually have an impact on the world around us. That's God's design. It wasn't for us to be single units going out there and doing our own things separately as our culture would prompt us towards this individualistic lifestyle, but no, the picture that God painted when he painted the church was this, was A-team, was all of us figuring out what are our gifts, coming together, using them for his glory. That's the awesome thing that he's designed, not just an unstoppable crime-fighting machine, but a, having a major impact even here, ABF, here in Rabbit Valley. What could God do with us united under that cause? couple things to define or to clarify. What is a spiritual gift? You can see those in your, your, the definition in your notes there. I like this, this wording, a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. So that's the definition, and I think it's important. It's one of those things that we're not allowed to stay oblivious to. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Isn't that a cool verse? What a challenge. He's saying, listen, I want you to know how God's uniquely wired you up for service. Like if for you to kind of go through your life and miss out on that is missing out on God's design for the church, his design for how this is supposed to operate. I want to just touch briefly, and this is a review last fall we touched on these, is kind of a 10 truths about spiritual gifts, but I'll just walk through them just briefly as a reminder for many of us, or for those of us that are new or maybe the first time hearing these. The first one is this, only believers have spiritual gifts. If you think about it, if it's something that's spiritual and apart from Christ, not being uh, introduced to a spiritual life or a life in Christ, we, it wouldn't make sense for us to have them. So believers, something introduced to a, a follower of Jesus Christ, every Christian has at least one gift. You can't sit here and say, listen, I didn't get it. They missed me. I got passed up. Like, I, I don't have anything. No, God's uniquely gifted every single follower of him for ministry. So that's the second important truth to understand. And here's for those of us that are maybe a little overconfident. No one receives all the gifts. Nobody got the whole package. Nobody's like, yes, I've got it all and I'm self-sufficient. Like, I am the church. Like, no, like, that, that's, that's not how it works. The idea is that every single one of us uh, is working together. That's the whole picture of it, is working together. Hands, feet, arms, head, ears, like it's all working together. So not everyone, get, no one gets all of them, can't earn or work for a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit decides them, not me. The gifts I'm given are permanent. It's not like, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to shed this one and replace it with a new one. Nope, the way God's gifted you, that's what you have to work with. It's important, number eight, to understand this, is to develop the gifts that God's given me. Like anything else, if you don't use it, you lose it or don't ever have. I don't know how you define that one, but if you, don't, if you never work on it, if you never exercise it, it's going to kind of stay in the, in the background. But the cool thing that you'll see in the life of following Christ is when you start to use it, you're like, whoa, I'm getting even stronger at that. I'm even able to make more of an impact now because I keep trying to use it and develop your gifts. God can do some amazing things with very well-sharpened and exercised gifts in the life of a believer. Number nine, it's a sin to waste the gifts God's given me. It's, it's, it's something that's it's like a gift that's unopened. It wouldn't make sense for us not to use them. Using my gifts, number 10, glorifies God and helps me grow. The whole idea of the gift is when you acknowledge the giver of the gift, when you're like, that's clearly from God. That's nothing I, I formed or shaped. It's not because I worked on it or it, it, it's a gift from God. Then when you're using it, it becomes, a, do you see how it works? It becomes a spotlight on God. It's like, man, look at that person. When you, when you see Chad or Eric or any of these musicians up here doing, doing what they do, you're like, man, that's an awesome gift. Praise God, the one that gave those gifts. That's the, that's the picture and the design that God's put in place for our gifting. So to clarify a couple of the purpose reasons why, why we have gifts, they're not for my benefit, but the benefit of others. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
I love this reminder because I think sometimes in church world we get a little bit, if we're honest, a little bit confused about how the church is supposed to operate. We get under the, the thinking or the line of thinking that it's about, about me and my needs and, well, is the church, is it really meeting that need or is it doing that? And so there's, there's this, this plethora of people just kind of hop from church to church and I'm just encouraging that person. No, it's about, it's about you serving and meeting the needs of others. When that's happening, it's working properly. Otherwise, you're missing out on God's, God's design. And, and, but if you think about it, like how many of you would say that you're blessed by the worship this morning? We're going to stay on that train. You'd be like, you know what? That was refreshing for my soul. It was encouraging. It was uplifting. You're blessed. And so the cool thing is, the wonderful thing, is when we're using gifts to bless each other, we're then in turn blessed ourselves. It's, it's a community. It's kind of the same idea or plan of serving that you see in a marriage relationship. Yeah, you're, you're both called to serve each other. But man, when I'm serving her and she's serving me, it works the way God designed it. It's similar to our gifting. So they're not for my benefit, but for the benefit of others. They also produce unity and maturity in the church family. Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Listen to this. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Two things you notice in there is the the unity that comes from it. There's something when you're you're working together, the, the unifying factor, when you're all united around one cause, it can be an awesome thing. It feels so good to be a part of something that everybody's like, all right, we're headed towards the the same goal, the same direction. That's the unity. And then the maturity piece is the outcome of that. When you're you're like, man, my my relationship with God, I feel like in a stale place and not really going anywhere. And you're like, well, well, maybe it has something to do with you using your gifts. There's something about that that spurs on and and, and empowers the Holy Spirit in your life when when you start to get involved in serving others and taking your eyes off self. I know a lot of this is review for any. So the question, why should I employ my gifts? Why should I use them? What's what's the purpose behind it? Why should I do this? Why should I choose to investigate my gifts and, and use them in the church? I have this picture of the bringing a gift to the party, and it made me think of one of my favorite traditions at Christmas, and maybe you like this too, is the good old-fashioned white elephant gift exchange. Anybody done this? I'm pretty sure everybody in here has done that. Sometimes people get annoyed by it. I actually see it as a challenge. You're like, I spent five dollars. Maybe I can come away with something worth ten dollars. Like this, you're like, like it's like game on. The competition piece get, get settles in. And but one time, I remember with my my wife uh, showing up at one of those parties, and I didn't get the memo that they were doing this exchange. Have any of you ever been there before? You're like, oh, they're exchanging these gifts. And I've got nothing to exchange. Now, sure, somebody brought an extra. Make sure you participate. But there's something about that that you feel kind of crummy where you're like, I didn't remember. I'm kind of the outcast. I'm on the outside looking in. And I was thinking about that as it relates to the church. And try to stay with me. These are the directions my brain goes. Sorry. Uh, I was thinking about the church and the gifting there. Is If you think about Sundays and the body of Christ is one huge party celebrating Jesus Christ, celebrating our awesome God. If, that's, if this is a party and, we're, and you're showing up and you're not getting a chance to bring the gift, you're just like, 
ah, that stinks. I'm not reaching the, the full potential of God's plan for the church if you're not bringing your gift to the table. Does that make sense? You're missing out. There's a reason he calls it a gift. It's not, this, it's not called a spiritual burden. It's not called a, a, a spiritual guilt trip. It's called a spiritual gift because the giver of the gift knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. The best thing for us is to use it and to employ it. That's where we're going to find fulfillment and purpose in life. It's an awesome thing. So that's a, a huge reason why. Another piece I jotted down on there is this, this, this second point, is the, is the idea of experiencing community as intended. Maybe you guys can find yourself in that picture somewhere, but uh, if you're not distracted by the glare of the melon in front there. Uh, but, uh, but this idea of really truly experiencing really church the way it was designed, like we talked about at the beginning, the idea of hands and feet, like that working together under one cause, the cause of expanding the kingdom of God by introducing people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're about at this church, if you're wondering. So experiencing true community, working together with others on a united cause is an awesome sense of purpose, sense of meaning. If you're like, man, I just don't feel meaning and purpose in my life. Man, give this a try. Give that a try. Say, you know what? I'll roll up my sleeves. I'm going to try out the Awana thing, or I'm going to try out serving in a different capacity. There's plenty of ways to dive in. So next steps, how do I figure mine out? Okay, you say I've got a gift. I don't really know what it is. I feel guilty because that verse you read earlier. And, uh, and now, so what do I do? How do I figure it out? Uh, what my gifts are? Couple thoughts on that. First one, how many of you have ever done one of those spiritual gift inventory tests? It's a, a test to kind of unpack what it is your gifts are. Well, the, the nice thing is, is we've pr- we're providing one as you're leaving today as a gift to you. Nice play on words. Is uh, a gift for you to take home. It's got 110 questions. I know that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes to do. At the end, you kind of calculate them out and do the math, crunch the numbers. Uh, look at the, the accountant people, like their eyes lighting up at that idea. But uh, the conclusion is to come to some, some uh, clarification about how God has uniquely wired you for serving within the body of Christ. And so that's one step that you can take is that. And then the following two weeks, we're going to have, after the services are available, uh, we're, I guess we'll use the term coach. We're going to have a couple coaches or people that are kind of equipped in this with a list and explanation to talk through the results of your test, maybe make some suggestions on some next steps for you to serve. We've got some elders involved with that, some other leaders. It's going to be a fun way to kind of keep the conversation going. Does that make sense? So following the service, we'll mention it again next week. We'll say, hey, you took that test. Why don't you hang out for a few minutes and chat with somebody about it? So that's one way is that we're trying to give a practical tool for you guys to, to do. If you don't like our test, go. There's a bunch of them online. I'm sure you could find somewhere. So test is one way. Another way that you seek some infor- or, or some uh, uh, affirmation on what your gifting is and how God's wired you up is do this simple thing. Ask somebody that knows you. Ask somebody that knows you. Maybe that's a conversation over lunch today. Say like, hey, what do you see in my life as, as gifts? What do you, how do you see me wired up? What do you think of one of the, the areas that I might be gifted in? I'll tell you what, a lot of times people that are close to you see and know you better than you even know yourself. 
And so that's a wonderful resource is just asking people that you know, friends, spouse, somebody that you're, you've known for many years is a wonderful way. Another way that you can help identify what your spiritual gifts are is a good old-fashioned trial and error. Trial and error. Just choose. Sometimes it's important just to, d- d- to dive into something. Like I mentioned the Awana thing. Casey, you, you owe me for mentioning this like seven times in the service. But, but try out Awana this fall and try to say, hey, you know what? I'll commit through the fall. Give it a, give it a good try. See if there's a fit. See if, uh, you might come to the conclusion that you don't like kids. And that's okay. That's, that's okay. <laughs> we have counseling for that as well. Uh, but my, my point being, my point being, the reason I bring that up is just trying something on for size. Get off the sidelines and say, you know what? I'm going to at least try employing my gift somewhere and see what God might do through that. My encouragement for this is, is with that exploring your gifting and trying to figure that out is that this important thing I, I, I felt uh, tugged on to mention this is in that to not become a church of spiritual gift snobs. Let me explain what I mean by that. Some people, when there's a need in the church, they kind of use that as their scapegoat. They're like, yeah, you need, we need chairs moved. You know, that's not my gift. You know, uh, they're, they're, there's like when they're asked to help do something around the church, you know, that's not under the, sorry, I'm gifted in evangelism, not in taking out the trash. And so, and so here's the thing is that there's some roles within the body of Christ that just need to happen, just need to happen. So a lot of times somebody's like, you know what, I'm not gifted, and guess what? Nobody is. And so there's some, there's some pieces that are just work. And so that I, I don't want, I'm, just, I'm just laying that out there so it doesn't become a, a scapegoat for why you're not interested in doing anything. And so, but here's the, the fun thing, is enjoy this process. It doesn't, it wasn't intended or designed to be the whole definition of a gift. It's, it's not designed to be a guilt thing. It's designed to be something that you find joy and fulfillment out of discovering how God has uniquely shaped you and then putting that shape to work in the body of Christ. Putting that to work in the body of Christ can be a beautiful process. I want to leave you with this verse of, of challenge. First Peter 4, 7 through 10, I was Convicted reading this, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, listen to this, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this invitation, if you will, that you've given us to actually employ, to use our gifts for your glory, God. To have purpose and meaning in our time and our season remaining here on earth, God. I'm grateful for that. I know just personally the, the joy that's come over the years of getting to opportunities to use gifting. I can't can't describe what a blessing that's been. I pray that for each person in this room that they would figure out what weekly kingdom responsibilities they might be interested in taking on, what piece their their unique gifting and shape might direct them to. I pray for wisdom in this direction. Praise you and thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.